You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's help in Ramat B'Shemesh Israel 5768 2008. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Kisisa. We have a number of interesting topics here as usual. Baruch Hashem in the Torah where there's so much depth and wisdom and so many wonderful topics to talk about. I'd like to take note of two very important ideas that are mentioned in this week's Parsha. They're not right next to each other in the Parsha, however, they are intimately and very importantly connected. And I'd like to point out the connection, and, and God willing, we'll have something very important to learn from it, as always. So the Parsha starts off with the idea of the Chatzi Shekel, the half shekel. Every single Jew is commanded by Hashem to give half a shekel. It's not a tremendous amount of money. Every Jew would give a half a shekel, whether they were rich, whether, whether they were poor. No matter who they were, everyone would give this half shekel to the, to the Mishkan, to the sanctuary. And with that money, they used it for the different needs of the sanctuary. Now, besides for it being important and necessary for the upkeep of the Mishkan, of the sanctuary, what it also accomplished was that they were able to actually take all of those half shekels, and they were able to count all of the half shekels and know exactly how many people there were in Klal Yisrael. So if a person had, let's say, 10 people in their family, so for each child of their family, each person of the family, they would send in half a shekel. This way they were able to count all of the people of Israel without actually counting the heads. It's an important idea because we see from here that we're not allowed to count Jews individually. If you have, let's say, you're, you're looking for a minion and you want to see if you have enough people yet, we do not count and say one, two, three, four, five. We don't count Jews that way. Rather, what we do is we use a pasuk. We say which is a pasuk with ten, exactly ten words, and therefore we're able to count the words, and then we can see how many people we have. But we don't count Jews directly, and part of it has to do with ayin hara. We don't want to have an evil cast an evil eye upon the people of Israel. Different explanations, different reasons for it. The point here is that we see that all of the people of Israel were counted through this chatzis shekel. Every single person was involved equally on the same level. It didn't matter if you were rich or poor. That's what we see. That's the first idea that's mentioned in this week's Parsha. Before I get to the second point, the second idea that's discussed in this Parsha, I realize that there's something else that's also discussed here, which is also essential to the point that I'd like to make at the end. And that is we find the Ketores, the incense offering, which was a very special combination of 11 different spices that were all combined to, to be burned upon the special altar, the incense altar, and they were sent up as a reach, nichoach l'ashem, they had a beautiful smell, and they made Hashem look down upon us with great favor. Now, very interestingly, one of the 11 spices that were included in the Ketores, in the incense offering, was something called chelbana, galbanum, which actually gives off a very offensive odor when it's burnt. So the question when it comes to the Ketores, which we're going to hopefully, Mitzvah Hashem, understand at the end of this Parsha podcast, when we come to the point, the question is, why is it, of all of the spices that Hashem could pick to command to be part of the incense offering, why is it that Hashem specifically went and picked this horrible smelling spice called galbanum, chelbana. Why is that included in the Ketores? That's, the, that's one of the first questions I'm going to present here. Mr. Shem will answer later. Now let's move on to another idea that we see in this week's parsha, a very important, fundamental, difficult story. And that is the Maisa Egel, the sin of the, the golden calf. Because we need to understand something that's very essential, and we need to apply it to ourselves, and we're going to see how. Let's see. So basically the story goes like this. Moshe Rabbeinu told the people of Israel that he would be up on the mountain for 40 days. 40 days came, they made a mistake in counting because they didn't realize that they weren't supposed to count the first day. When Moshe Rabbeinu said 40 days, he did not mean to count the first day. So what happened? It came the 16th of Tammuz. It was the 16th of Tammuz and Moshe Rabbeinu didn't return. And the people of Israel were worried. They didn't know what happened. They thought that Moshe Rabbeinu had passed away. So they decided that, heaven forbid, they weren't going to make an idol that was going to be their new god. That's not what was going on. Bichlal at all. 
But rather what happened was they said, Moshe Rabbeinu is not here to lead us. We need a leader. We need a vehicle of connection to Hashem. So they decided that they're going to make this golden calf. Meanwhile, at the same time, Moshe Rabbeinu is on Har Sinai speaking to Hashem. Hashem is giving him the Torah. He's finishing up. And Hashem says to him, He tells him what's happening. He says the people of Israel, they've gone off. They've gone off the deep end. They created this idol and they're worshipping the idol. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, Oy vey, oy vey. And Hashem says, I'm going to destroy them and I'm going to make a new nation out of you. Moshe Rabbeinu says, No, you can't do that. He says, Hashem chas v'shalom. Then they go, all the nations are going to say, He took out the people of Israel from Egypt in order to destroy them in the, in the wilderness. Moshe Rabbeinu has all of his tininess. He says, Don't destroy them, don't destroy them, don't destroy them. To which Hashem says, Fine, I'm not going to destroy them. But you have to go down there and you have to deal with the situation. So Moshe Rabbeinu comes down from, the, from Har Sinai, from Mount Sinai. And he comes down and he sees the people. And what does he do? He takes his, the luchos, he has the, the, the shte luchos abris in his hand, which represent the covenant between the people of Israel and Hashem. Upon it are the, the Ten Commandments that Hashem actually spoke. And the first two of which, which all of the people of Israel actually heard with their own ears. Two million people strong. And he takes the tablets and, and everyone looks up and they see Moshe Rabbeinu. And they're like, oh, they can't believe. There's Moshe Rabbeinu. They thought that he had died. And, and there he is. And he has the, the tablets. And they know that those, those two tablets represent their bris. Their covenant with Hashem. And Moshe Rabbeinu takes it and he throws it down on the ground. And all of Kal Yisrael is silent. All of Kal Yisrael is broken, literally broken. And they realize, oh my gosh, we've broken the covenant. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu was showing them. We broke the covenant. What have we done? What have we done? Right away, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Mila Hashem Eli, who is for Hashem? Come to me. And the entire, entire Mate Levi, the entire tribe of Levi comes and they, they join Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu says, go out and we have to kill all the people who are directly involved with the Maisa Egel, with this idolatry. What happens? They kill 3,000 people, which is an unbelievable thing because there were only 3,000 people that, that were directly involved. The Kana Ben Shoyal. Here, we have to ask a question. And this question is asked by the Chavetz Chaim. And the question is like this, Mila Hashem Eli, when Moshe Rabbeinu said, who is for Hashem? Where was everyone? Only 3,000 people were killed. That means only 3,000 people were actually involved in the Maisa HaEgel. What happened to the rest of the people? Where were they? Why didn't they respond when Moshe Rabbeinu said, Mila Hashem Eli? Only Levi, only the Shevet of Levi came. There were 2 million people here, only 3,000 people had actually sinned. Where were the rest of Kal Yisrael? So here I'd like to throw in a plug for my Daily Dvar. Anyone who listens to the Daily Dvar knows the answer to this question. And if you go back to the Daily Dvar, you're going to hear it. And I highly recommend, Baruch Hashem, there's a number of people who are already listening every single day. It's a five-minute Daily Dvar. You can listen to it every single day. And you can find out the answer there. But I have a, actually a different idea that I'm going to share with you very soon. So let's go back over the questions. The first question is about the Ketoris, the incense. Why did it include a vile-smelling spice? That was the first question that we asked. And the second question here is, what happened to all of the people of Israel? Why didn't they respond to Moshe Rabbeinu's call? If anything, they had all just seen Hashem speak to them personally. They had seen all these miracles of the Exodus. Why didn't they respond when, Hashem, when Moshe Rabbeinu said, Mila Hashem Eli, who is for Hashem? So to begin with, I'd like to share with you a Gemara that I heard from one of my Rabbi, Rabbi Aaron Kaufman, who's my 12th grade Rebbe in Yeshiva Farakwe. He brought down the Gemara. The Gemara in Bracha says, on Davches Amaral, page 8a, Kol mi Whoever has a shul, a synagogue in his city, and he doesn't go there to pray, rather he prays on his own, Nikra Shachin Ra. He's called a bad neighbor. And not only that, says the Gemara, the Gemara actually brings a verse to prove this, and then after that it says, Not only that, but he causes himself and his children to remain in exile, or to go into exile, one or the other. Either way, person who doesn't pray in a synagogue, person has the ability to pray in a synagogue, he doesn't, he's called a bad neighbor, and he causes himself and his children, Gullus, exile. 
Now the question that's obvious here is, what is it about praying in a shul, a synagogue, that's so important? What is it that a person misses when he's praying at his own house that he doesn't have when he's in shul? What's the significance? Why does it cause a person to be called a bad neighbor? And why does it cause a person and his children to go into exile? So my Rebbe, Rabbi Aaron Kaufman, who's now the Rosh Hashiva in Waterbury, Connecticut, so he explained with the Maharal. The Maharal says like this, that what is the quality of the tefillah, of the prayer service that's happening inside of a shul? What happens when Klai Yisrael davens in a shul? When people get together to pray together? So we find that there's a concept that Hashem is mashrash chinosoy. Hashem places His divine presence upon the people of Israel. When they get together, when there's more than 10 men praying together in a shul, when they're coming together to pray, and they're coming together to ask for the needs of the klal, so there Hashem places His divine presence and answers their tefillos. In fact, we find elsewhere, we, saw, we find in the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah in, in, in a few different places, that there's a tremendous power to the tefillah b'tzibur. Whereas a yachid, a single person, a person on his own, if let's say there's a gzera, there's a divine decree against him, it's very difficult for that individual to be able to rescind a divine decree, except if he prays during Aseris Mechuba, during the 10 days of repentance between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. However, a tzibur, a group of people that gets together to pray together, they have the ability to rescind any decree that Hashem has decreed upon the people of Israel, heaven forbid, as long as they get together to pray together. That's the incredible power of a tzibur. So now, coming back to the Gemara in Brachas. The Gemara says a person who doesn't join with a tzibur, who doesn't pray in that synagogue when he can, He's called a bad neighbor. Why is he called a bad neighbor? Because every single Jew that comes together, the power of the tefillah, the power of that prayer service is incredibly increased many fold by every single individual. It's not just like 1 plus 1 equals 2. 1 plus 1 equals 10. 5 plus 5 equals 100. 10 plus 10 equals 1,000. The math is completely different when it comes to this idea of getting together to serve Hashem together, to pray to Hashem together. When we get together, we have tremendous power in numbers. And the power is disproportionate to how many people are actually there. This also explains why it says that he causes himself and his children exile. Because when is there exile? When is, when is a person going to exile? When there's no Shechina. When the Shechina leaves the base of English, when the Shechina, when the Divine Presence leaves the Holy Temple, it leaves the people of Israel, that's when the people of Israel go into exile. However, when a person comes to Tefillah B'tzibur, he davens together with a synagogue with a great amount of people, a multitude of people. So then they're bringing the Shechina back. The Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, is returned to the people of Israel. And all evil decrees, heaven forbid, are completely annulled by the power of that Tefillah B'tzibur, by that multitude of people praying together, coming together for the same purpose, joining to praise Hashem, thank Hashem, and ask Hashem for all negative things to be removed. Now we're going to come back to the Ketoris, because with the Ketoris we're going to understand what is it about the Tefillah B'tzibur, about this prayer that's being done in a synagogue, that everyone's praying together, what happens that now all of the Tefillahs are answered, all of the problems are solved, why does that happen? What's the Pshat? So Rav Aryeh Kaplan explains in regards to the Ketoris, that the reason that we have this vile-smelling spice included, it's called Chelban or the Galbanum, why is it included? Because the, the incense represents the Tefillah Berabim, the public prayer service. What happens in the public prayer service? So you can have many righteous people, and you can also have people who are not so righteous. But what happens when you join together, when you have ten wonderful smelling spices, and one vile smelling spice, the vile smelling spice, that smell becomes bottle. It is completely nullified. 
The same thing happens by a tefillah b'tzibur. When you have many people praying together, even if there's someone who's inappropriate there, who's not so good, nevertheless, Hashem doesn't look at each individual. That's the maila. That is the advantage of praying with a group. Because Hashem doesn't look at each individual, but rather Hashem looks at it kloliistic. Hashem looks at the general picture. And when you have a general picture that's much better, so Hashem doesn't look at the individual. Whereas an individual who prays on his own, he's asking ki'ilu, not exactly, but he's asking for Hashem to look at him as an individual. And then Hashem can see all of the faults. But when Hashem sees a group of people praying together, Hashem only looks at the general positive traits. And that's why a tzibur can rescind the decree. Because only when we pray together does Hashem only look at the positive, and each of the negative factors of one individual are made up for by another individual. That's the power of the tefillah b'tzibur of praying together. This idea also helps us understand the idea of the machsis hashekel, the half shekel. Every single person was equal. Every single person, whether young, old, rich or poor, it doesn't matter, everyone gives the same amount. Because when everyone is working together for a spiritual goal, Hashem looks at every single person the same. And this way, when Hashem looks at us all the same, each one is making up for any negative things that another person has, so then Hashem sees the whole picture as a very bright picture, a beautiful picture. So let's just come back to the Gemara and Brachas for one moment. That Gemara that says that a person who doesn't come to pray B'tzibur, he doesn't come to pray with a synagogue, with other people, so he's taking away, he's called a bad neighbor. Why? Because he has an opportunity to be someone who can make up for something negative in someone else. And he doesn't do that, so he's causing something negative to be judged upon the people of Israel because of him. But if he does come, then indeed Hashem will look at us in a more positive light. The more people are there, the more Hashem can look at us in a positive light. Thus there's a tremendous responsibility. Each person has a responsibility to, to realize that he's not just an individual on his own. He's part of a tzibur, he's part of a klal, he's part of the people of Israel. Every single Jew is important. No Jew can be left behind. And when we join together, we can literally move mountains. That's the message that we see from that Gemara and Brachas. That's what we see from the Ketoris as well. And this idea is also hinted in the Machsus HaShekel and the Half Shekel. Now let's come back to the Maisa HaEgel, the, the idolatry, this sin of the golden calf. What happened? Why was it that when Moshe Rabbeinu called out and he said, Mila Hashem Eli, who is for Hashem? Join me. Only the people of Levi came. Why? What happened? Where were the rest of the Jews? And if only 3,000 people actually sinned, that's all that were killed. Where were the rest of the Jews? What happened to them? And the answer, I believe, has to do with where were they during the actual Maisa HaEgel? When the Erev Rav, when the Egyptians who had come along with the Jews said, Eila Elohecha Yisrael, this is your God, O Israel, who has taken you out of Egypt. Where were the rest of the Jews? Everyone knew that that was ridiculous. Where were they? Why were they standing on the side? They were doing nothing. They were saying nothing. They didn't stop it. They said, okay, this is not my problem. This is not my issue. I don't have to get involved. I don't have to do anything. In Hebrew, the word is adishut. In English, the word is indifference. When the people of Israel are indifferent, when people of Israel don't care, oh, they're doing something wrong, I don't have to be involved, it's not my problem. When people see, you see that there's people in Israel who are being rocketed every single day in Sderot, and we say, oh, it's not my problem, I don't have to pray for them, I don't have to get involved, I don't have to, it's not my problem. When we stand on the side, that's not Mila Hashem. When Moshe Rabbeinu calls out, Mila Hashem Eli, the Chavetz Chaim says it means who is completely and solely for Hashem. Those that were standing on the side while 3,000 people worshipped the golden calf and they were indifferent, that's not Mila Hashem. They couldn't be completely for Hashem. If they were really for Hashem, they would get up when the time is to get up and they would stand up for the honor of Hashem. They had just seen Hashem. They had just heard Hashem's voice. That They had witnessed and experienced the most unbelievable revelation that was ever experienced in the entire history of the world. And they couldn't get up and say, I'm going to do something about it. That's not Mila Hashem. 
Now, this is something that's so important that we take to heart and we realize because there are so many times that we feel like, well, what can I do? I can't do anything about this situation. We read the news helplessly or we see the news helplessly and we, and we stand by and we say, what can I do? And the answer is, we can do something. Hashem says, get together, get to a base Knesset. Come together as a tzibur. When you come together as a tzibur, you can move mountains. You can change the entire existence. You can change reality. Because Hashem says, when you come together, I'm going to be mashra mashchina. I'm going to bring down my divine presence upon you. Ten men get together, ten people get together, Hashem is there. When more people get together, Hashem is more there. We have the ability when we get together to, to annul any divine decree. It looks like there's going to be a war. Heaven forbid there shouldn't be any wars. But it looks like there's going to be a war in Israel. You read the news, it's very clear. What, what do we do at a time like this? What do we do? The answer is we stand up and we get together and we pray. We pray as a tzibur. We use that power that Hashem has given us to, to bring down His divine presence into the world. When Hashem's divine presence is in the world, there is, no, there is no sadness. There's only joy. That's the opportunity that we have. I want to bless you and me and all of us that we should see all of the potential that we have to help ourselves, to help Klai Yisrael. We should tap into that potential. We can move mountains. We can change reality. Thanks so much for listening. Have a very good Shabbos.